Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. With you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. I want to say welcome to everybody who is tuning in, wherever you're tuning in from. So we know there's so many of you who tune in here in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM up and down the front range of the Rockies. And we want to say welcome to you. So glad that you tuned in today. I also want to greet those of you listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Uh, as I've been traveling around the last couple of weeks, I met some people who told me they listened to the show over on that side of the country, and so glad that you are tuning in. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call. Also, we are syndicated on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky, so a big greeting to those of you listening on Truth FM today. Uh, for those of you listening on the East Coast and the area around Tennessee, just a reminder that you're hearing this program on a one-week delay, but we would love for you to call in, and then you get the unique opportunity, you get to tune in the following week and listen to yourself on the radio. So just a reminder that you're listening on a one-week delay, but we also want to give a big hello to everyone who listens online, uh, whether it's on the app or the website. We have a great Grace FM app. We know there's so many of you who have downloaded that and you tune in. In fact, I know that many of the East Coast listeners, because they want to hear the show live, you know, they, they became familiar with the show over the air, but they've started tuning in uh, over the app and over the Internet. So we're so glad that you're with us today, wherever you're tuning in from. Just a reminder, though, that if you don't have that Grace FM app, this is a great way to tune in to Bible teaching on the on the road, you know, and wherever you're traveling, you can have it with you on the go. So just uh, just search for Grace FM in whatever app store you use for your phone, and also the website, so GraceFM.com. You can go there anytime and listen to the teachings and listen to this show live over the internet. So however you've tuned in today, welcome to the program. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you, talk with you, pray with you. Give us a call or text us. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us via 720-336-0897. So text us at 720-336-0897. Again, the call-in number 303-690-3000. Just a few words about myself as we wait for those lines to fill up. And uh, my name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We are a church that loves to study the Bible, and we love to worship Jesus. And so every Sunday we gather to worship the Lord and in worship and song and in prayer, and then we study the Bible. We study verse by verse. Right now we're studying through the book of Romans and just having a great time uh, learning in Romans. So our church meets in downtown Longmont. For those of you familiar with the Longmont, Colorado area, uh, our church meets in downtown Longmont right on the corner of Long's Peak and Kaufman. And I, I, had, a, I had somebody contact our church, I guess that for a couple of weeks here on the radio, I'd been saying our, our location wrong. I'd been saying that we are on the southeast corner of 
Long's Peak and Kaufman. We're actually on the northwest corner, like the exact opposite corner. So sorry about that if that was confusing for any of you. So we are on the northwest corner of Long's Peak and Kaufman in downtown Longmont. We're in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is kind of a large historic building in downtown Longmont. And our church meets there on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And we would love to have you join us. We are we are on the southeast corner of Roosevelt Park, but on the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman Intersection. Roosevelt Park is a city park here in Longmont. And so for those of you familiar with the city, that's where we're located, 700 Longs Peak Avenue. And we would love to have you join us. If you're in the Longmont area, uh, in any of the surrounding towns, whether it's Berthoud, uh, Carbon Valley area like Mead, Firestone, Frederick, uh, down into like Lafayette, Erie, North Boulder, Lyons. We would love to have you uh, come and visit us on a Sunday morning if you're looking for a place to worship. Our church meets at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, and you can find directions, all that good information on our website, which is whitefieldschurch.com. It's whitefieldschurch.com. Yeah, just a reminder, for those, for those of you in, here in the Longmont area, we are doing this event uh, called Rhythm, in the, Rhythm on the River. It's kind of our big festival here in Longmont. It's a music festival, an arts festival, a running festival here on the St. Vrain River in Longmont. And Whitefield is going to have a booth out there. And if you are in the area, we'd love for you to stop by. Grace FM is actually going to be there, too, with a booth. Um, they're going to be handing out T-shirts and stickers and all kinds of good stuff. And it'll give you a chance to meet some of the people who are here on the air and people behind the behind the glass in the booth and we just really look forward to connecting with the community and if you are in the area we'd love to have you come out for rhythm on the river i believe it is friday july 13th to saturday july 14th that's right so friday the 13th and 14th of july we're going to be out there on the river in longmont in rogers grove park right on hover street in um, in west longmont so we'd love to have you come and visit us there uh, again so just a, one more plug for uh, the radio show. I'm on every weekday at 2.30 p.m. here on Grace FM and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So we can do that. Um, you can tune in for more teaching at those times. 2.30 p.m. Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Our show is called Life in the Field. We still have open lines, so we're waiting for you to give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, the number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. That's the number to call. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That is uh, the text number, 720-336-0897. And this is a show, again, where you can call in with your, your prayer requests, your questions about the Bible, uh, things that are you're curious about and would like a pastoral perspective on. We would love to hear from you. One more thing I want to tell you about. We are doing a great event at Calvary Aurora really soon. It is coming up on July 20th and 21st. Yes, that's right. So July 20th and 21st, which is a Friday and Saturday. And it's called Expositors Collective. So Expositors Collective is kind of a new initiative that myself and some other pastors from around the country, mostly Calvary Chapel guys, but not only Calvary Chapel guys, uh, are, have gotten together in what we're doing. So our desire is to raise up the next generation of expository Bible preachers, people who, uh, when we say the word expository, what we mean by that is the, the goal of expository teaching is to is to not really use the scripture as, as a springboard to talk about a topic that we want to talk about, 
expository preaching is when you take the scripture and you expose it. That's where the word expository comes from. You expose its meaning that's, that's there in the text. In other words, you let the text kind of unfold and you're just helping the person to see all the nuances of the text. And so that's one of the things that uh, Calvary Chapel has always loved to do is expository teaching. And so our desire is to raise up a new generation of expository preachers. And so we're doing this thing called the Expositors Collective. This is our second event. The first one was out in Southern California in March. And our second one is going to be here in the Denver area at Calvary Aurora is going to be hosting it. And it is on July 20th and 21st. And it is for young preachers ages 18 to 34 years old. So that is uh, kind of a, a cut off there, 18 to 34 years old. And one more thing, this isn't only open to uh, men, it's also open to women. Because, you know, in our church, for example, there's so many women who are teaching in children's ministry and they're teaching in women's ministry. And we want to make sure that they are equipped and given the skills to do that well in a way that exalts Christ and rightly divides the word of God. And so we encourage uh, women to come. We're actually bringing quite a few women from our church here in Longmont to down to that. And we are uh, looking forward to that. So here's what you need to do if you are interested in that or if you know somebody else who could benefit from that. It's uh, it's $20. It's a really minimal cost for the level of, of uh, training that we're providing because we're bringing in pastors from all over the country. In fact, we're even bringing in some from outside the country, from Ireland. One of the leaders is coming. And um, what you need to do is go to expositorscollective.com. That's expositorscollective.com. You can find out all the information you need there as well as you can find out how to sign up. So we're trying to fill 150 spots, but it's also limited to that. So if we get more than 150, we're going to have to turn people away just because of the size of the venue. And so if that is something that interests you, please do sign up soon at expositorscollective.com. And we've only, it's only three weeks away, it looks like. So we hope that you will come and be part of that uh, at the Expositors Collective, July 20th and 21st at Calvary Aurora. Pastor Ed is going to be part of it and uh, some other pastors from here in Colorado, but also pastors from other parts of the country. Yeah, we just got a question. Uh, is it for men and women or just men? And the answer is it is for both men and women. So women are invited to come and in fact encouraged to come. So if you are teaching in any capacity, like I said, whether it's in, in a youth capacity, children's, or if you're um, teaching in a women's ministry, we want to help you to do that well. We want to equip you with the tools to, like I said, rightly divide the word of God. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Our first question today came in via text, and here's what it says. Do you foresee a day when pastors will go to jail for preaching in the United States? Uh, for example, John Bunyan went to jail for preaching without a license in the U.S., but that was a long time ago. Uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't personally foresee a day when that could. I mean, I think it could happen. I think that we're not on track for that happening, at least not anytime soon. What I do foresee happening more and more is um, maybe censorship and and certain things being off limits. But I, I think that what's what's really come to a head over the last you know, couple of years with some of these legal issues that have come up with religious freedom is it seems at least at this time and point uh, in our country, although it seems that there are so many topics which are off limits and so many things which are 
you're not allowed to say, even if they are taught in the Bible, it seems that our government has still given um, religious liberty to to churches and, and Christians. And I think that's good. I think that's really good. And I hope that that continues. So personally, I don't foresee a day when that will happen. I think that some major things would have to change in our country in order for us to get to that point. But certainly as a culture, you know, especially if you look at popular media, there are certain things which, yeah, you know, the redefinition of what exactly is a hate crime, you know, and so sometimes, you know, Christians have been accused of hate crimes for saying things which are simply what the Bible teaches. And I heard a really great quote a while back. I don't remember exactly who said it, but uh, I thought it was very good. And it said this, that our culture has believed two major lies. And those lies are that if you disagree with someone, or you don't like, or, or let's say you have an ideological disagreement with something that someone believes or thinks, that that must mean that you either hate that person or you fear that person. And that is just simply not true. Uh, having compassion, having empathy, being a generous, kind, gracious person does not require you to affirm or to agree with everyone on every single point. And so I think that's that's a really important counterpoint to a lot of the stuff that uh, has gotten really to a fever pitch in our culture as far as uh, taboos and what can be said and what qualifies as a hate crime and what doesn't. I think that, um, you know, the Bible talks about this, that there will come a time when people will not um, tolerate sound doctrine. Uh, they will want to hear what their itching ears want to hear. And, um, and you know, there's also the Old Testament passage, which is very you know, something that we should always keep in mind. It says, woe to you who call evil good and who call good evil. And I think that's really important that we, we keep those in mind, that we not redefine uh, good and evil in our society. And I think that's happened, but I don't foresee a day, at least not in the near future, where pastors will go to jail for preaching in the United States. You know, interesting thing, some of you may know that I was a missionary in Hungary for 10 years before I moved to the U.S. about uh, six years ago. And over there in Hungary, I did know several people who had been persecuted during the communist period. Um, one in particular I knew who was taken away to Siberia. And that was because he wrote a letter to Stalin, actually. He's an older man. And he actually passed away during my time there. But he was an older man. He had written a letter to Stalin along with several other pastors um, basically condemning the things that Stalin was doing and calling him to repent. And as a result, they came and tracked him down and took him to um work labor camp in Siberia and eventually he had to he was allowed to come home but he had to walk from the Soviet Union into Hungary is pretty pretty wild but then we also knew a lot of other people who were persecuted um, in the sense of losing jobs being kicked out of trade unions uh, children being kicked out of public schools these kinds of things because they were part of what were considered unregistered churches and uh, kind of like what you mentioned here with John Bunyan going to jail for preaching without a license uh, I, again, I don't foresee that happening in the U.S., but I will tell you this. If it ever does get to that point, I, I don't think that's something that we need to be afraid of. I don't think it's something that we need to worry about. Like I said, I saw this. Uh, I saw the effects of this in Hungary, where I had seen the church had been persecuted at one time. And, you know, there's this great saying from Tertullian, the early church father from the uh, second and third century. And what he said is that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And we haven't gotten to that point here in the U.S. ever of having, uh, you know, being persecuted unto the shedding of blood. But 
I will say that when the church is persecuted, what happens is that it, it doesn't hurt the church. You see that in the book of Acts is that they were persecuted and they, they continued to flourish and grow. And there's some ways in which kind of like how when you, in order to get olive oil out of an olive, you have to press the olive. I think that sometimes some pressing is pretty good for us. I think it does a lot for us. In fact, you might even say that one of the scourges of the Western church or the American church is that we don't have a lot of that. We don't have a lot of pressure. We don't face a lot of pressure. We don't face a lot of um, persecution. Even the, maybe the cultural uh, persecution that we do face in the sense of people thinking that we are um, close-minded or things like that is really not truly persecution uh, in the sense of the word. So we don't really face a true pressure um, that is pressing upon us like a, a you know like an olive being crushed in order to re, re, uh reveal the oil the sweet oil inside of it but again i don't think that's something that we should necessarily fear a few years ago i was invited to go speak at a conference in finland this is when i was still living in hungary so i got invited to speak at a youth conference in finland so i was there in uh, the city of kuopio in northern finland and i spent some time talking with pastors and it was really interesting because you know you may know that Finland is a very prosperous country. All of Scandinavia is very prosperous and wealthy. And I got to talking with the pastors there. And what they said is I asked them, you know, so what is the spiritual climate here in Finland? And they said, the biggest problem we face in Finland is that life is too easy. We have too much prosperity and, uh, and we don't have enough difficulty. And because of that, people aren't forced to depend on the Lord in ways that maybe they were in previous generations. And I think there's something to be said for that. I mean, these people were, in a sense, bemoaning the fact that prosperity was a blessing materially, but it was almost a curse spiritually. And I think there's something to be said for that. So if we ever did get to the day where Christians were persecuted in the United States, again, I don't think it's something to fear. I think we have the book of Acts and we have all of these testimonies of Christians of prior generations, Christians in even the 20th century in places like China and places like the Soviet Union, where we see how the church flourished under uh, persecution. And so I, th I think we have to pray, Lord, let your will be done whether that will is for us to be saved from persecution or whether that will is for us to go through uh, tribulations, we know that you'll be with us and we know that your will will be done. So I hope that answers your question. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. This is Calvary Live, the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. Your, you can text us with your prayer requests or, uh, again, questions about Bible, theology, scripture, and we would love to answer them on the air and talk with you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go over to our text line. We have a question, a question about baptism. I didn't grow up in the church, and as late as a as a late teen, I started reading the Bible. I was taught that baptism is the point in time that sins are forgiven, and it is essential for salvation. Jesus is all that saves through the cross, but you accept this gift of grace at baptism based on verses of Acts two thirty eight, Acts twenty two sixteen, First Peter three nineteen, etc. I also learned uh, that it is what Christians in early centuries believed. I recently moved to Colorado and started listening to Greats FM and get a different impression. Would love to study more on this topic. It's a great question. You know, this coming Sunday, 
at Whitefields, our, my church in Longmont, we are doing a baptism service after uh, church on Sunday. We're really looking forward to it. And uh, this is a question tonight, actually 7 p.m. after I get off the air with you, I have a baptism preparation meeting for those getting baptized. And, you know, we do teach that exactly, you exactly discerned exactly right, that we do not teach that baptism is necessary for salvation. What we teach is that uh, baptism is a, a step of obedience. And so I would put it this way. I would say that every Christian should be baptized. Absolutely. But uh, I do not believe that it is necessary for salvation. I believe that it is at the time of baptism that your sins are forgiven. Um, I don't think that you receive forgiveness or a, there's another term for this. It's a theological term for the form of baptism that you're describing or the view of baptism that you're describing. It's called uh, baptismal regeneration. And neither do I teach that, nor do I consider that a biblical position. And I'll tell you why. And it's essentially this that the means of receiving God's grace very clearly in the Bible is by faith. Now, I, I told you a few times already that I have been studying Romans with our church on Sunday mornings. And here, I'll just read you a passage we read this past Sunday. Here's what it says. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Okay, that's chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. Now I want you to notice a couple things about that. Number one is that it says we have been justified. Now if you are a grammar nerd or a grammar Nazi, like I am, then you will notice something in that, and that is this, that it is in what's called the passive voice as opposed to the active voice, right? So passive voice is when you speak of something that happened to you. In other words, somebody else did something and it was done to you or you were affected by it. So this is passive voice here. And what it's saying is that something happened that was done to you. And what was the thing that was done to you? You were justified. And then how did you receive it? You received it not by being baptized, not by, uh, you know, doing certain works, not at all. You received it by faith. In fact, if you want to read more on this, chapter 4 of Romans deals with this issue maybe better than almost any other chapter in the Bible because it talks about Abraham and circumcision and faith. And what it's saying is this, that Abraham was circumcised, but he didn't receive God's grace as a result of circumcision or through circumcision. In other words, circumcision wasn't a prerequisite or the means by which he received God's grace. No, the way that Abraham received God's grace, and it serves as a model for all people subsequent to Abraham, is by faith. God gave Abraham a promise. Abraham believed it by faith. And I love that word faith in Greek. It's the word pisteo. And I love that word because here's what it means. It means more than just believing that something's true. It means more than just wishful thinking. It goes beyond that to mean trusting in something, depending on it, clinging to it, and adhering to it. And so that's what it means, is clinging to uh, Jesus, clinging to um, what he did for you, and believing that's true and trusting in it. You know, you hear so many people these days talk about, oh, well, you need to believe in yourself or you need to trust in yourself. Well, the Bible says, no, exactly. This is what we're talking about when we talk about faith. It's not about believing in yourself. It's about believing in Jesus and what he did for you. It's not about trusting in yourself and your abilities. It's about trusting in Jesus and what he did for you. And so I, I want to make that really clear. And here's the other reason is because if it depends on anything, 
than it is by works. In other words, if, if in order for me to be saved, I have to be baptized, then that is a work of sorts, right? It's an action that I have to do in order to receive God's grace. And that is very clearly stated in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 8 and 9. I'll read that for you. It says this, For by grace you have been saved. What is grace? Grace is a free, unmerited gift. It's not something you deserve. It's not something you earn. It's free and it's unmerited. So it's by a gift that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works. So he says it there in three different ways. Number one, he says it's a gift. You don't earn a gift. You know what? If I get a paycheck, that's not something, that's not a gift from my workplace. That's something I earned. But if someone gives me a birthday gift, that wasn't something I worked for. It's something that I was given as a gift. So that's the one way. The second way, it says it's not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. And then thirdly, he says it's not as a result of works. He wants to make it crystal clear. It is not as a result of any works. It's all based on what Jesus did for you and trusting in it, clinging to it, accepting it. So you're absolutely right in the sense of that. Um, I mean, I can speak for myself and probably for Calvary Chapel in general. We definitely do not teach baptismal regeneration. What we teach is that baptism is an outward symbol of an inward reality. And our, my favorite text on this subject is going to be Romans chapter 6, where it talks about being alive to, uh, alive to Christ and dead to sin. And what it talks about is this picture of dying and being reborn. And this is the verse that I always use when I do baptism preparation and when I preach on baptism, because see, this is the reason why I am an adherent of like water baptism, because here's what water baptism represents. It represents burying someone someone being put to uh, burial and then raised up again to new life. And what that is, it's a symbol of what has already taken place. You think about the man on the cross next to Jesus. This is, of course, the classic example. But the man on the cross next to Jesus, he said, uh, Lord, remember me when you come into paradise. And Jesus said, I tell you truly today, you will be with me in paradise. Was that man ever baptized? Of course not. He was hanging on a cross. Is he in paradise? Well, Jesus said he would be, so we believe that he is. And that is the answer. But I will stick with you on this point. If a Christian refuses to be baptized, I think there's something wrong because Jesus said, be baptized, right? Like he, he told his disciples to baptize others. It's something that we are to do as an outward symbol, as a testimony of what has happened within us. So every Christian should be baptized. If you're not baptized, uh, will you still, can you still be saved? I believe the answer is yes. We are coming up on our break. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have open lines right now. We are coming up on our break, but if you call now, we'll get you on right after the break. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We have a caller who did not want to be put on the air but asked us to pray for those with cancer. So we'd like to do that as we come up on our break. Heavenly Father, we pray for those, uh, both those listening and those who are not listening, those who are affected by cancer. Lord, we know that this is not uh, your will, that people uh, would, this is not your desire, it's not your design, let's put it this way. It's not your design, Lord, that, it, that people would be sick and suffer 
from cancer. Uh, we know that, Lord, one day you are going to redeem us from these things. And that's why you came, Jesus, was to redeem us from sickness, sin, death, the devil, and all of the things that are wrong in this world. You came to make it right. And we know that that day is coming. But, Lord, we pray for those who are suffering now. We pray, Lord, you'd be with them. We pray that you would comfort them. Lord, we pray that you would give them a sense of your presence with them. We pray for family members who are suffering uh, either the loss of a loved one or they are suffering with a loved one who is in pain and suffering because of cancer. Lord, we ask for healing. Lord, we also ask for comfort. We remember your words in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Lord, that you are the God of all comfort and that you comfort us in our afflictions so that we can comfort others with the comfort which we've received. Lord, I pray that that would be the case. Lord, thank you that in Christ our sufferings do not define us, but they shape us. And I pray that that would be the case uh, for all those who are suffering right now in different aspects of, of cancer. But Lord, we do pray for healing for those who are suffering. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to Calvary Live. We are going to be right back after this break. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. If you have prayer requests, we'd love to pray for you uh, here on the air. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go over to our text line. And uh, we've had a few texts come in in the meantime. Uh, first, both of them actually related to pornography. So maybe there's some of you uh, who can relate to this. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call. Text us. Uh, we'll have you on the air. But this first person says, My husband watches movies that sometimes contain nudity. Should I wait for him to be convicted? Or is there a scripture that I can give him? He doesn't think that seeing um, nudity for a second is considered uh, pornography. So the thing with pornography, right, is that uh, what it comes from, the, the root of the word, which I think should immediately get our attention, the root of the word is pornea and graphia, right? So there's these two words together. Pornea means adultery and graphia means images. So in other words, pornography literally by by its etymology is images of adultery, and, and why would you subject that subject yourself to that? You know, uh, Jesus said, if uh, some part of my body causes me to sin, I'd be better to cut off that part of my body than to continue in sin. And so let's talk about this, the three main categories of sin. Here's a verse that you could share with the, your husband or for those of you who are considering this. Uh, three main categories of sin we're told in John, uh, 1 John or 1 John 2.16. It says this for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, or the it's also translated the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So pornography definitely caused us to lust after the flesh. 
and uh, undeniably it's a lust of the eyes. Um, it is in included. So here's another verse for you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Here's what it says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, then think about these things. So the question would be, does pornography fit into there? See, I think that's one of the things that we often get mistaken up of uh, when it comes to being Christians and, and thinking in terms of sin. A lot of times we're still thinking in terms of, is it a sin to do this? You know, give me a verse that shows me that it's a sin to do this thing. Like, hey, I don't see any verses in the Bible that say not to smoke marijuana, so I guess that means I can smoke marijuana, right? Again, that is that is what we would call legalistic thinking. At that point, you're still thinking of God only in terms of like, okay, what do I need to do to appease God? What do I need to do to do everything I want to do, but not get on God's bad side, right? And so your, your whole thing is like that God exists to prevent you from doing certain things. And that is just the complete opposite way of how we are called to live and to think as people who have been given new life in Christ, as new creatures in Christ. See, the thing that now we live in this new way of thinking where we think, okay, what is pleasing to God? Not only that, but we have been called on a mission, right? We have been called to be fishers of men. It's a mission to go fishing. And we have been called to, to be part of God's great mission of making disciples of all nations and being part of his work of bringing redemption and life where there has been destruction and death. And so if we are only thinking in terms of like, okay, what are the things that I can't do, um, we're totally missing it. And there's something that Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 where he says, and I'm summarizing here, but here's what he says. If you pursue the things of the Lord, you simply will not uh, do the deeds of the flesh. In other words, if you spend all your time thinking, okay, how can I serve God? How can I seek God? How can I please God? And you do those things, you will not do the deeds of the flesh. In other words, you won't be sinning, but it won't be because you're trying hard not to sin. It'll be because you're so occupied in your thoughts and in your mind and in your focus on doing that which does please the Lord and doing what that which you have been called to do in Christ. It's kind of like this. Like if I told you, hey, don't think about a purple elephant standing on a uh, bowling ball. I mean, you can't help but think of that just because I just told you to, right? Uh, but if I tell you, hey, think about these things, and I tell you about something else that's really interesting, well, you're never going to think about a purple elephant standing on a bowling ball because your mind is so occupied with other things. And that's exactly how we are to live as new creatures in Christ. No longer looking for proof texts that tell us, okay, well, I really want to do this thing, even though I should know that it's wrong. I want to do this thing, but there's no verse that explicitly says, don't watch movies that only have, you know, a certain kind of nudity in them or a certain amount of nudity in them or certain bad words. Like, can I watch rated R movies? Again, you're still asking the wrong question. The right question to ask is not, okay, where is the line so I can get as close to the line as possible? The question is, what does it look like for me to give my life wholly over to Jesus? What does it look like for me to live my life fully on mission with God, engaged in that mission? When you start asking that question, I think you're going to be uh, getting some really good answers. And see, that at that point, you're not going to, it's not even going to be a thought. Would you watch that movie with that thing in it? No. 
Uh, and you know why? Because you're going to be so occupied and so focused on doing things that are good and pleasing to the Lord and part of that mission of God that you're not going to have time for that stuff, nor will you have any desire for it. It will become repulsive to you. And see, if, if it's still at the point where you're like, well, the only reason I'm not going to do this is because there's a Bible verse that tells me not to do it, you're still not there. Your, your heart's still not in the right place with the Lord, right? Your heart needs to get to that place where you are overcome with the desire for the Lord, for the things of the Lord, that you don't want anything else, that any, everything else is repulsive to you. I hope that answers your question. So those would be the verses I would point you to immediately would be uh, 1 John 2.16. And what about the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life? And then Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's anything of any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Here's the other thing I'd tell you is that Romans chapter 5 down to chapter 7, basically the message of it is this. You have been made a new creation in Christ. So why are you living a dead person's life? Don't live a dead person's life because you're a new person in Christ. Live out this new life by the power of the Holy Spirit that he's poured out in your heart. So I hope that answers your question. And it's related to another question that came in. Let's address that question now. And uh, Oh yeah, here it is. It says uh, this. Could you please pray for me? I'm currently backsliding and ensnared in a sin that I thought I had gotten over, which is pornography and lust. And I just need prayer for spiritual strength and discipline. Yeah, you know, thank you for your text, because I'll tell you this, you're not alone. I, I know that for a fact that you're not alone. In fact, I was just looking up some statistics about um, pornography and, and these kind of addictions. Did you know that the number one uh, searched items on the Internet, not even like the number one, but like the number, the first 10 searched items on the Internet, they all have to do with pornography. It's a huge problem. I read a statistic that on average, even amongst churchgoers, somewhere around three to five, uh, three out of five, so that's more than 50%, struggle with uh, pornography addiction. And it's not just men. It's, it's also uh, a lot of ladies who struggle with it too. And so this is a really big issue. So number one, I want you to know that you're not alone. But number two, I just want to piggyback on my answer to that previous question about, um, about pornography. And here's really what I would tell you. There's this guy named Augustine, right? He was a Christian uh, pastor and preacher and theologian back in the fourth, 400s, so 5th century. And he had this really, really great concept, which was this, that what makes you who you are is what you love. And the way to change what a person is and change what a person does, their actions, the way to change a person is by changing what they love. And that relates to what we just talked about, about what we see in the Bible, about becoming a new person and changing what you love and becoming a new creature who has new desires. And so what happens basically is this, that he would say this, in order to overcome addiction like this, not only do you need the power of the Holy Spirit working within you, not only do you need accountability, but you need something else that will really bring real and lasting change. And that is that you need to find something which is more desirable. And of course, we're talking about Jesus here, nothing else. You need to find in Christ that he is more desirable than anything else that exists in this world. He is more desirable to you and to your heart. You need to see the gospel in such a way there's nothing else that you want more. And when you do anything that goes contrary to that, that it's repulsive to you and it disgusts you and you don't want it. Like, um, 
like a person who has some kind of allergy to something. So I, I'm going to pray for you and pray for those who have uh, struggles in the same area. And then we'll go to our other questions. Heavenly Father, we pray for uh, this texture. We pray for the previous texture who's writing about her husband. Um, but Lord, I pray for those also who are listening on the radio today and saying, yeah, that's me. I mean, and nobody knows about it, uh, maybe. Uh, but that's me. I've been struggling with that. I've been doing that. And it is ruining my relationship with God. It's messing up my mind. It's hurting my heart. It's hurting me spiritually. It's having repercussions for my relationships, my family. Lord, I pray for these people, first of all, Lord, that they would know that you are a God who is patient, slow to anger, full of mercy. But Lord, also that you are a just God and that you have poured out your justice on your son, Jesus, in order for them to be forgiven and justified in him. So, Lord, I pray for them, first of all, that they would receive forgiveness in Jesus, that they would receive that new life. And secondly, Lord, I pray for strength for them, spiritual strength. I pray for them to have discipline. Lord, I pray that by the power of your Spirit, you would strengthen those who struggle in this area. Lord, as your word says, none of us have been tempted beyond what we can bear, beyond what is normal. But when we are tempted, Lord, you give us the strength to stand up under it. And Lord, I pray that uh, these people who are struggling with this thing, whether it's these texters or people listening, Lord, I pray that they would take hold of that strength that is in Christ. That in the moment, Lord, you would be with them, that your spirit would bring conviction and that they wouldn't go there. Instead, they would choose a better way. Lord, I pray for those who are um, in the chains of bondage, Lord, that you would set them free. And we know that you have the power to do that. But remember what your word says in Ephesians chapter 1, that the same power that set Jesus, uh, that, that brought Jesus out of the grave is at work within us by your Holy Spirit. So thank you for that truth, Lord. May we take hold of it and may we live it out, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You are listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We have all open lines still, and we would love to hear from you. Go ahead and give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Let's go to another text question. We've got a ton of text questions today. Uh, it says this, could you please pray for rain in Colorado enough to help get the fires contained? Absolutely. I was just driving uh, down I-70. I was in California last week at a pastor's conference and drove back and just saw all the smoke in the air, especially uh, coming from the Grand Lake area. So yes, absolutely. Let's pray for Colorado. Heavenly Father, we pray for our state here in Colorado. Lord, we ask for rain. And we know that that was something that people in the Bible, we see them praying for the same thing. So, Lord, we, we do the same. We ask for rain. Lord, would you send rain upon our state, rain that would uh, help put out these fires or get them contained. Um, Lord, we pray for those who are in danger of having their, their houses lost. Um, we pray that, Lord, no lives would be lost in this. We pray for our firefighters who are fighting these fires. Thank you for them, Lord. Thank you for their courage and their willingness to help others at risk of their own uh, well-being in their own lives. Lord, we pray that you would protect them and watch over them. And we pray that these fires would be contained. We pray for uh, those who uh, have lost property and will lost pro lose property. Lord, we pray that you would be with them. Lord, that they would find their trust in you. And Lord, even that you would use a thing like this that's so destructive that, Lord, you would use it for good. So, Lord, we do ask for rain in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is 
Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Open lines, so it's a good time to call in. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. I've got a few more text calls, uh, text questions to uh, discuss here. So one of them is this. One, one person writes and says, Pastor, can you be angry at God on different occasions and still be faithful to him? So can you be, is it possible to be, or is it okay to be angry with God at different times in your life and still be faithful to God? Uh, I think that's a really interesting question. I, I think that, you know, it's hard to speak about each and every situation as to why you might be angry. But in general, I'm going to say that, no, I don't think it is right for us to be angry with God. And here's why. Because, see, when we are being angry with God, it's a form of presumption. So I guess I would put it this way. I think that God is big enough and and secure enough, of course, to be able to handle it if we are frustrated or if we are even angry. He's able to handle that and he's patient with us. And I think we see that in the Bible. We see people who are frustrated with God or they are even perhaps bordering on angry with God. And God um, is patient with them and, and walks with them through it. And so I think that that's the first part is that... Um, of course, God is big enough to handle it, and he's a very patient God. And so we should be honest about the way that we feel. But here's the other part of that, and this is the information for us. Is it okay to feel that way? And my answer would be no, and here's why. Because essentially when you are being angry at God for something in your life, you are being presumptuous. And the reason you're being presumptuous is because, um, is because you, you don't know. You don't know the beginning from the end as he does. You don't know what he's going to bring out of it. You don't know why all the other factors that are involved. Uh, you don't know all of those things. And so to assume that God is wrong and, and you are right, and therefore you have a right to be angry, in, order, uh, in other words, that you have a right to be uh, yeah, kind of angry at God and sitting in judgment over him and saying, God, what you did was not right. It wasn't fair. And I'm mad at you for doing it. And again, this is a, a, a presumption on our parts. And and I'll tell you one more thing, which I, I, I have thought about more recently. And I was studying Exodus 24. And here's, here's really the gist of it. And then I'll give you a little bit more on it. And then we'll go to a, another caller. And that is this, that in Exodus 24, here's what we see, that um, the children of Israel, right, God leads them out of slavery in Egypt and then leads them uh, through the desert. Now, they're on their way to the promised land, but on the way to the promised land, they take a stop at this mountain called Mount Sinai or the mountain of God. And at that mountain, they stop and they're stopped there for at least a year. And then you remember Moses goes up on the mountain and God gives him the law and while Moses is up on the mountain, it says that the fire descended on the mountain. So they're, they're probably wondering if Moses is even still alive. And, and then they begin thinking, you know what? We were supposed to go to the promised land. We didn't sign up to camp out in the desert for a year. And so what do they do? They say, hey, you know what? If, if this God, Yahweh, isn't going to give us what we wanted or lead us uh, to where we wanted, at least not in the time frame that we wanted it, well, then we don't need him. We can come up with our own God. And they end up coming with their own God. And as always happens when we come up with our own God is that we tend to create gods who we can manipulate or who, who are kind of just think and act like we do. 
In other words, if you were going to come up with a God of your own, like say you, whoever you are, were going to invent a God, what kind of God would you invent? Well, you would probably invent a God who, at the end of the day, is a lot like you, shares your same opinions about people and things and politics, has amazingly all the same opinions you do. He's just a little bit more powerful than you are. In other words, he has the power to do the things that you can't, but when it comes to everything else, he's just like you. In other words, that's what we will always do. We will always create a God in our own image. And this is one of the greatest proofs that God is not just a figment of our imagination, not just a creation of our own ideas, is when God does something that we wouldn't have done. When God does something that we disagree with or says something that goes totally against the way that we think or feel or want. In other words, if you're dealing with a real person, a real individual, a, a real being, then that being is not, the real being is not always going to agree with you because it's not you. It's separate from you. In other words, I'll, I'll just sum it up with this phrase. If God does something that you don't like, I understand that you don't like it, but take heart in this sense that that is one of the greatest proofs that you are dealing with a real God, a real being, other than just a figment of your imagination. So I hope that answers your question on that one. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. Let's go to David in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, David. Welcome to the program. Pastor Nick, uh, I get a question and comments about the thief on the cross. Sure. So I, I, I get to thinking this through, and you use the example, well, the thief on the cross didn't get baptized and all that. We've heard that, and that's, that's fine. But I got to think, of, well, he, he was one of the last of the Old Testament saints. So he didn't, he went into the righteous side of Hades. Is that, would that be correct? Yeah, I do agree with that. Uh huh. So, and he was down there probably not too long before Christ led captivity out of the, the righteous side of Hades. Yeah. So those those people weren't even required. I mean, that was even before the Great Commission. So they weren't even required to get baptized anyway. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. So I guess that's just the way my analytical thinking goes. I I like to dig a little deeper and, and think back, think this thing through. Yeah. So, uh, no, I think you bring up a really good point. And like I said, that is kind of the, the gen general answer that a lot of people give. And I think you bring up a good point is that, that that's maybe not a very um, solid foundation for believing in the fact that baptism isn't absolutely required in order to receive salvation. I think then in that case, which which I do agree with you, I think you bring up a great point. Uh, in that case, then we have to fall back on our theology, which comes from verses like Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that really there is nothing that we, and Romans chapter 4, you know, it speaks about, did Abraham receive God's grace because he was circumcised? Or did he receive it by faith? And I think it's very clear that it was by faith. And then yeah, circumcision was an outward act which spoke of an inward reality, as is baptism. Yes, I agree with that, too. But every once in a while I hear the story about the thief on the cross and not getting baptized and stuff. Well, let's let's expound on that a little bit, is what I tell people. And uh, so I did, and thank you very much for listening to me. Awesome. Yeah, I'll take that one out of my repertoire. <laughs> Thanks. All right. God bless you. 
All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got seven minutes left in the show. The number to call is 303-690-3000. And you can text us at 720-336-0897. So the call-in number is 303-690-3000. We can still probably take one more call be, be, uh, before the end of the show today. And our text number is 720-336-0897. We had a follow-up call texted in saying this. What does it mean then today you will be with me in paradise in light of our previous conversation? And I think it, it was answered in that, but just to reiterate it, and that is that um, that Jesus, as he descended into uh, hell, then set the captives free. So hell in the sense of Hades. And that brings up another question which was texted in. And so the question, today you will be with me in paradise, what does that speak of? I believe it speaks to the fact that Jesus set the captives free as he descended into Sheol or the place of the dead or Hades uh, and set captives free from Abraham's bosom. And again, that brings up another question. It'll probably be our last question for today. And that question is this. Did Elijah and Enoch go to heaven or did they go to Abraham's bosom since Jesus is the first fruits? So the place where I would point you to is Luke chapter 16. Luke 16, where we read the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And what we read about them is that uh, there were these two people, rich man and Lazarus, and they both uh, died. And they went to a place so in Jewish uh, thinking and in Jewish scriptures, even in the Bible. We, we are told that there's this place called Sheol. And Sheol is the dwelling place of the dead. It's where the deceased go. And now that what's, what's important about that is that all deceased people go there. So those who died in faith, like Abraham and Moses, and those who died apart from faith uh, and apart from trusting in God and receiving his grace by faith. And so what we see there is that there is this, essentially in Sheol, there are two compartments. And this is what our caller was talking about as well. And that is that we see this very clearly explained in chapter 16 of Luke. And what it says there is that uh, the, the one man went to Abraham's bosom, which is basically a waiting place for those who died in faith to be redeemed by Jesus. And then Jesus came and took them out. And uh, and we read about that in later on in the epistles that Jesus descended and led the captives free in his train. And then Hades is the place, a uh, holding place for those who died apart from faith. And Hades, we see in the book of Revelation, is ultimately emptied into the lake of fire uh, for all eternity. So I hope that answers your question. So did Elijah and Enoch go to heaven or did they go to Abraham's bosom? My answer is they went to Abraham's bosom where they awaited uh, the, re the, the redemption and the redemptive work of Jesus in his uh, death on the cross. And it was during those three days in between when he was in the grave that he descended into hell or Sheol, and released the captives from Abraham's bosom, took them to the presence of the Father, and those in Hades remained there, and they await the ultimate judgment day upon which they will be cast into the lake of fire. We have three minutes left in the show, and I want to take one last call that came in. So let's go to line one. We've got Desiree. Hi, Desiree. Hi. Hey, we've got three minutes. Do you think we can do this? Yes. Okay. What's up? Okay, so I want to know when it's the right time to find a new home church. Okay. Uh, my husband was sick in the hospital. I see you pretty bad. 
Mm-hmm. I reach out to our pastor. Um, I was hoping he would come out, pray with me. I, yeah, I was in, broken in my heart. I didn't know what was going to happen to him. And um, I didn't hear back from him mm. until a few days. It was Sunday. He asked me if we're going to church. Then uh, in my heart, I'm like, they weren't there when my husband was really sick, almost dying. I just wanted prayer. I'm like, do we go back to that church? I feel kind of weird. Do we find another home church? Why yeah. would they do that? You know, here's what I'm going to tell you. As a uh, as a pastor myself, I, I'm sorry that that happened to you. And I, I know that I can't necessarily speak on their behalf. But if I could, I would apologize to you for that. That shouldn't have happened. But here's what I would really encourage you. You know, I really believe the message of the gospel is that we've been reconciled to God and God wants us to be reconciled to each other as well. And so before you do anything about just choosing another church, I really want to encourage you to do this. I want to encourage you to reach out to that pastor and that leadership there and tell them this story. Tell them, hey, this was, in my opinion, a massive failure on your part. You left us hanging and it really hurt. And, you know, you can be honest, say, hey, we're, we're not even sure if we want to continue coming to church here because of this, because it hurts so bad. And we're wondering, you know, are you being good stewards of this flock? But I would give them the opportunity to know that for two reasons. Number one, I think that it's important that, you know, think about Matthew 18. You need to bring this issue before them. But the other reason is so that they, they understand this. They understand the failure that they did, that they made, so that they can either repent of it and correct it, or, you know, if they don't and they just double down, they say, hey, that's your problem, go away, then maybe you have your answer as to maybe it is the time. But before you do that, please do seek reconciliation. Have a conversation with them uh, before you go any further. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. God bless you. We've reached the end of our show. This is Calvary Live, the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'll be with you again tomorrow. God bless you and have a great evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.